Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Sober Exposure, welcome to the show. So, exposure. I've been exposing others now for months. Um, This is kind of going to be, not kind of, this is the hardest episode I've ever done. This is one of the hardest times I've ever gone through in my life. And it's time that we speak out about it. I speak out about it. So, um, I invited Will from the other side of hell because... I'm, I'm on the health side right now. And those of you that follow me on Instagram know that I relapsed. So I wanted to talk to Will a little bit about just everything because I respect him so much. And if I was going to sit here and talk to everybody about what happened, I would want Will by my side, you know, just expressing your, your, your knowledge, you've been through it. You're a a relapser yourself. And I don't see that you have a, a, a whipping stick. So, um, I don't think you're going to beat me up too much, you know, but this is a really, really hard episode. So, well, I came on your show and we talked about when I re- by the way, welcome Will, everybody. (laughs) What a way to start a show. Debbie Downer. (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Welcome me. Me, me, me. Lucky you that you get to uh, come on the show and hold my hand during this. I'm, I'm excited. I'm honored to be here to talk about this with you and walk through this journey, man. Yeah. We got a disease that's trying to kill us secretly <laughs> inside our own heads. Everything, everything that we, everything that goes through our minds is goes through a filter that's trying to get me to drink or use, right? So. everything like everything you say today my brain is going to go can i drink over that can i use over that everything that i do today my head's going to be you know and and it's it's a quiet filter it just picks stuff out and throws it at me a little piece at a time until it finds me at that vulnerable point where uh you know my guard's down and then i think about it and we end up we're we're alcoholics man fucking drug addicts that's Mm -hmm. what we do so, so I'm going to start with what was, what, what's, what started it with me. And you're like, every little thing tells us that we can use. And so I've talked about Kratom before and how bad it is for addicts. You can, and I don't know about where you live, but Kratom, uh, Gava houses are showing up at every corner. Yeah, I never even heard of it until you told me. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the Kava Kratom spokesperson. Hi, baby. See, this will make me happy too. Maggie wanted to come and talk about the fact that. Um, I'm glad you didn't die. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Who Who would feed her? Right. Actually, she's not even my dog, but uh, she's just another one to support me. Um, so how this all went down was, you know, outsides, all about the outsides, looking good, and I was just it, it was coming. You know, relapse they always say happens way before the relapse. The problem is we don't see it. Right. Well, relapse ends with the use. It doesn't begin with using. It ends with using. Okay. All right. Thank you. That's why I invited you. Always, always putting things, you know, that where they're <laughs> supposed to be. So I went to go get my hair done. 
That's it. As nice you little should. Jappy Jewish girl wants to get her hair and nails done, you know, and um, the back of my head. And I've joked about it before that at my salon, right next to my salon, there's a Kratom bar. Mm-hmm. And it's always hopping, always cute boys in there, always whatever. So I'm in the salon and somebody triggered me. Somebody walked in the salon and they, and they triggered me because it was somebody that I knew I went to high school with and I'm always comparing myself with. And the comparison, she was winning. She had a bigger ring. She had a better husband. She had a better car. So what does that tell a friggin' addict that's about to relapse? Just cover all this shit up. Yeah. You know? Well, there's that filter, right? Throwing throw the suggestion. I know how to feel better about this. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Right. Feel better. That feel better. Exactly. And, you know, the thing that made me so mad, too, is, you know what? This is a girl that I actually like. So instead of being happy that she looked so good and was so on top of her game and her life, I was like, my filter, my voice is like, you're not good enough. She beat you in life. Everything. Fun. And it's so all or nothing. It was self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, forget it. You, you just, you're never going to win. You're never going to be, a, you're, you're never going to be anything. You're never going to be as good as her. She was better in high school. She's better now. And while my hair was processing with the, t- you know, you know, with the foils and all sure. <laughs> foils and all sure, you're uh, cooking while, while you were baking over there. Yeah. yeah while I was baking, waiting I decided the, to get baked. So the, yeah, waiting for the timer to go off. Yeah. Yeah. So I went um, next door and I took one, tea because it's just tea and it's legal and it's tea and it's fine and all that bullshit but meanwhile um my perception started to be distorted Mm -hmm. um did you feel better oh yeah yeah okay right away sure You know, okay. it's like taking a, uh, you know, it's like taking a hit of anything for the first time after you haven't gotten high in so long. And I just, uh, it hit me right away. I felt great. And I was like, this is the answer. Fuck sobriety. Fuck everything I can use. And I'm going to do this and it's going to be fine. And yeah, I feel bad that I am the poster child for sobriety with my podcast. You and can that- pull it off, right? Like you, <laughs> you, you can still use and, and keep the podcast. <laughs> sure. You know. I could, I could still use, I could come on this podcast. I could tell everybody how great sobriety is. And then as soon as I stop pressing record, I can go in my bathroom and smoke crack. Will know. Mm. Nobody will know. Which by the way, I didn't do. Okay. I, you know, I didn't. Um, oh, you're sober today. I'm, I'm sober today. It, yeah. it started with the Kratom and then the Kratom turned to weed and then this and then that. And then the next thing you know, I'm in a full blown relapse and I'm like, how the fuck did what I get here? What do you oh, mean by full blown relapse? Well, I went to my drug of choice. Which is crack. Right. I'm shaking no. my head. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> now, and how, how fat, like, do you remember how long it took you to smoke crack for the first time? Like, it, you know, because for me, it had been around. I slowly progressed into harder drugs. Like it, it was kind of the same thing. You know, I started kind of innocently with sneaking beers and then, and this is when I was a kid before I was, when I was first experimenting, but I look at the progression and it was always like a little bit. And then I tried a little bit more beer and then, you know, the weed and then the weed became regular, but I wasn't going to do meth. I'm never going to do meth. And then I tried a little bit of meth and, 
you know, it slowly progressed. But at this point, you went into a Kratom bar and what, within the next 24 hours? Yes. Eight hours within the next 24 hours, you're back smoking crack. Like, like Essentially. The, progression is, the, the progression is gone. Right. And, and do you remember how long it took for you to see somebody OD for the first time? Like, like it took years and years of use before we seen somebody overdose for the first time. But now we go back out on the street and within 24, 48 hours, people are dying around us. Like we really do pick back up where we left off. There's there, yeah. it's cliche, but it there's a reason that that's cliche, right? There's a reason that it's there because in fact, what we found is that's the truth. The disease Definitely, like they say, this whole thing while you're in a meeting is out in the parking lot doing push-ups. And I, 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 I hate these AA cliches, but yeah. So, Will, let me just tell you because, and I don't want to dwell too much on what happened with the relapse. I'm sober sure. now. I went to Sedona. I went on a spiritual retreat, um, oh. and I did a lot of healing there and a lot of thinking, and 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 it helped a lot. However, you know, I got to be careful about that too because we're gonna get to AA and things like that. Um, because I always just want to go to the crystals and the healing and the Reiki for my, um, sure. addiction. And that's just not what, what's going to keep me sober. I'm sniffing, not because I just did a line. I'm <laughs> snorting because I got dog, uh, 10 dogs in the house in the moment. But anyway, so literally the progression, you want to talk progression, getting my hair done at a kava bar, getting kava tea, yeah. oh, relapsing what, on my drug of choice. Noon, one o'clock. Right? right, right, right. And then the, the timeline, by 11.30 p.m., I'm in some strange guy's apartment, and he proceeds to um, have a grand seizure while he's doing a hit, falls on the floor, hits his head, blood everywhere, and all I'm thinking of is, oh, cool, now I can steal his drugs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> a disease is live. And it's funny that, that I can relate with that. Like, normal people don't relate with that. You know, but that's an absolute legit thought for people like us. There's, what else are you going to think? The first thought isn't save the guy, it's fix myself. Because we suffer from a disease that's based in selfishness, right? Like that's our problem is me, 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 me. When you saw that girl, which I can relate to because I never felt like I added up. But when you saw that girl that seemed to perceive, perceive to seem like, She's doing so great in life, even though we don't know her backstory, we don't know where she came from. All we're doing is looking at her outside and making a judgment on ourselves about it. Then we're back in us. Me, 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 me. Judging and our insides by other people's outsides, which, by the way, that girl that I was talking about the next day I found out um, is going through a dreadful divorce and is, is, is miserable herself. So she had that effect on me and had me basically kill myself. Meanwhile, yeah, because you're an alcoholic. That's what we do. Right. And and the shitter of it is, is like, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we kind of start finding out the reasons, the causes and conditions behind these things. We find out that it's it's the resentments that we carry that we don't think we should have. Right. Like like we have resentments towards the people that we love and we try to justify them out like that lady that you obviously there's some type of, of, of feeling about her that we justify away and then we internalize that and that runs through the filter and the filter tells us, well, let's kill ourselves over that instead of doing some, some work or, and there's a great example in the big book of, of Bill W doing that exact same thing in the bar room, the exact thing, same thing that you did. There's an example of that in, in the big book where he was out of, he was out of town. 
on a business trip. Remember, yep. he goes down to the to the lobby of the bar, and this was right before he met uh, Doctor Bob, and he heard the chatter and the glasses clinging and the good time happening in the lounge, and obviously he's like, I, "Fuck, I deserve some of that." I deserve some of that peace and freedom that comes along with that first drink, but he remembered the insanity of it. And that's, that's what uh, the step work in the program does for us. Right. He remembered the insanity and he made a phone call and he didn't drink that night. So you know, he found another alcoholic and, 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 in and he approached that alcoholic with his story, gained his confidence which was enough for that alcoholic to open up and together the two of them stayed sober that night. So if somebody feels like maybe they're, I mean, I can tell for myself, I, I, I knew I wasn't right. I, I knew it. I didn't want to take a look at it. I did stop going to meetings. I wasn't mm -hmm. going to meetings consistently. I was putting everything before my meetings and anything before you, you know, anything you put before your recovery, you're going to lose. That's the old saying. Mm -hmm. um, and just everything was more important. And I felt like I could do it myself and that I was okay. Yeah. And this is so hard for me to say in front of you guys, because I mean, I come here every week, we talk about recovery and for me to have to come here and tell you guys that I relapsed is just astonishing. I have to pinch myself. I feel like I've let everybody in the world down, you know? Um, yeah. So my job, I guess now is to come out of it and stay sober and just be a power of example and help someone else that's right there where I was. So maybe they don't have to pick up today. Well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense for us to, at some point, go ahead and like do what's suggested by the people that don't relapse? What? Really? You mean <laughs> actually take the cotton out of my ear and stick it in my mouth? Right. Really? Well, like, that's what I got to do. Okay. Like, like for me, the, the biggest hang up in recovery, in sobriety, in this entire process has been the God thing, period. Hands down for me. Right. I've, I've always struggled with the God thing. And so I'm thankful that I don't have to give up my chip give up my sobriety time for insanity because um, two months ago I was living in untreated alcoholism based on kind of those same things that you're talking about. I just didn't pick up. I was living in that fear, that comparison, nothing I was doing was good enough. I fell back into depression. I felt every bit as bad as I ever did getting clean. And it reminded me a lot. I don't know why um, my heroin when I cleaned up off of heroin, it wasn't as bad as when I had to clean up off of pills. I remember cleaning up off of prescription opiates more than I remember the heroin. I don't, and I don't know why, but there were two different cleanups and I felt like I was coming off of the fucking pills and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I lost 17 pounds. And, um, what ended up happening was I came to a second surrender and understood for the first time, the second part of step one where I'm powerless. You know, when I, when I got here, I thought I was powerless over alcohol and drugs only. And I thought that that was making my life unmanageable and fast forward 10 years, I can really see that it was my thinking and the way that I perceive the world that was making my life unmanageable. Because if I can feel just as desperate, sober and insane, sober 
then obviously I'm powerless over my insanity and I make my own life unmanageable. I have to take responsibility for that. And so I dove back into the steps with my sponsor in a new light of surrender where I wasn't trying to have God explained or figure out this God stuff, because that's what I did the entire other time. Who is my God? Let me figure that out. And then let me make sure whatever that God has in store for me, I approve because I don't want to do something I don't approve of. Right. And so I went through and I saw people staying sober. And I'm like, I like what he has. I'll take some of that. I like what that person has. I'll have some of that. And I'll go ahead and call that God's will for them. And then I'll create this idea of my own life. And as long as it looks that way, I'll agree that I'm in God's will. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, and so walking through the steps this time, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to pray for the willingness to trust in that power greater than myself that brought me out of that last bit of insanity. Looking at the three propositions in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, A, we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, probably no human power could relieve my alcoholism, which means Jen can't, re can't relieve my alcoholism. All the famous people that she knows can't relieve my alcoholism. My podcast um, listeners can't, can't relieve my alcoholism. The members in the group can't relieve it. The people of the past, no human power can relieve my alcoholism, especially myself, because if I could relieve my own alcoholism, I would have done it a long time ago. And I wouldn't need to be sitting here because I'd be relieved of my own alcoholism and see God could and would if he were sought. And so starting on a basis of yes. God could and would if he were sought. He were sought. And here, here's the problem. It's God could and would if he were sought. So when you're in that mode and you, and you just freaking want to be high more than you want to be sober and you have the efforts, how, how do you seek God? Because it's almost like when they say, um, when you feel like using calling your sponsor. I mm -hmm. love that. I love that. Because you know what? When I feel like using, the last thing I'm going to do is call my sponsor. I'm going to sure. call my drug dealer, but I'm not going to call my sponsor. Sure. You know? So, I mean, that's just the honest to God truth of it all. So, yes, God could and would if he were sought. But I think here's the, here's the thing about that is we if we take step one and step two, and we come to believe that, and for me, originally, I, I came to believe that the process of the 12 steps could restore me to sanity. That was my original belief in a power greater than myself. I believe that if I did the, the 12 steps to the best of my ability, I would be restored to sanity. And there was some sanity restored. Um, however, there wasn't complete abandonment to a power greater than myself, because all of us come in here agnostic atheist or confused about god all of us and well, we you came in a total uh atheist right uh, i came in originally as a born-again christian because that was the that was the faith i was given at birth i went through the 12 steps twice trying to cling to that belief that was given to me and i was miserable and in about five years sober um I heard a guy sharing at a meeting and he was talking to his family who were all really religious people. And they're like, well, you're not going to church and you're just doing these meetings and, you know, we're, we're concerned for your soul. And he's like, look, I fucking, I love you guys, but I'm not a Christian. So leave me the fuck alone or, or you can fuck off. Like I'm okay. 
I don't believe what you guys believe. And it was the first time that I'd heard anything like that. And I was like, the the funniest thing is that when you were a Christian, you were, I wasn't happy. Well, you plus you were in full blown addiction, weren't you? I couldn't get sober on prayer. I couldn't. I, I prayed to, to that, to that God I was given at birth by my, by my parents with the best of intentions, right? They, They gave that to me with the hope that, I would find what either they believe or they hope to believe or that it would be good for me in some way. But it, that wasn't me. Alcoholics Anonymous is a program for people like me to gain a relationship with a God of my understanding. Christianity is for people like them to gain a relationship with a God of their understanding. And I could not wrap my head around that God. Yeah. Right. And because they would come to me and I'd be in a meeting and, and you guys would be talking about the grace of God. And I was taught that the grace of God was, you know, if you believe this certain way, then you'll be saved. But if you don't believe this certain way, this God that loves me unconditionally can't do anything with me because I didn't behave correctly. Well, I'm a fucking addict, man. I'm like you. Like, I cannot behave correctly. With my best of intentions, I fuck it up. And then I internalize that as I'm broken, not sick. Right. All of a sudden, I'm broken. And, and not only am I punished myself through my insanity, I get to look forward to an eternity of being punished for fucking ever because I can't control myself. And so I let go. I, I did some spiritual work and I was able to let go of that completely. So what kind of spiritual work? What? So, so what I what I did is is I've worked the steps, right? And it was working. Like I had my resentments out. Uh, I had my amends list. Like I did all 12 steps. Um, I wasn't happy and I needed to change something. And so I had heard through listening to spiritual teachers like Alan Watts and Wayne Dyer, um, you know, th- these, these gurus, um, uh, the guy that wrote Ed- Edgar Tolley, you know, you know, you know, all these, all these real s- spiritual, not religious people. And I heard um, that people should take a 24 hour vow of silence you know, just try it, try a 24 hour vow of silence and see what happens. And so, um, and I also heard Alan Watts say, if you really want to get to know yourself, really go into the woods and be alone. And so I took that literally because I was so confused about how I was feeling about this stuff. And so I took a five day walkabout into the high UNAs in uh, Utah And it's like a seven and a half hour hike up to this lake called Lake Kermisu. And I was all by myself. And my intention was to go up there and call out the devil. Like, motherfucker, if you're there, I'm tired of being afraid of you. I'm tired of you fucking with me, you know, because that's what I'm taught. That there's this there's this deity out there that's fucking with me. That's making me tempted me to do bad shit. And that's putting me in a position to get put into hell. Like, like I'm I'm not in control of any of this stuff. And so I went up there by myself. In a vow of silence, I didn't take hardly any food. And when I thought I got, you were going to say I didn't take hardly any mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't take any mushrooms. It's been been a long time since I took mushrooms. <laughs> you know, I was like five years sober at that time. And so I went up there and I didn't know what was going to happen. I just went up with the intention of being alone in the woods in silence. And so that's what I did. And as I was up there camping, I set up my shit and I was sitting in my camp and I looked up in this, this lake is in this huge giant bowl and there's still snow up around it. And the lake is all just snow runoff. 
So we're really high up in the, up in the UNM mountains. And um, I saw this cave across the lake and I was like, I'm going to go up there and meditate and go fucking sit down and fucking zen out and, you know, connect. And so the next day I walked around the lake and I started climbing that mountain. Mm. And what happened was, as I was walking through the forest, I could recognize that that forest didn't give two fucks whether I was there or not. It was fine that I was there and it would have been fine if I wasn't. If I fell over dead, it would do its thing, right? Like nothing in it cared that I was there or didn't. It was judging me not. It didn't care what I looked like, where I came from, how much money I made. And so as I was walking through, I started looking at, these trees. And I was like, that's kind of a funky looking tree, you know? And then I was like, there's not very many animals up here, like kind of a animalless forest and this ground's wet. I started finding myself judging this forest, right? I'm making judgments against this (laughs) natural thing. And so I messed up on this part. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I made it up there. and, And what, what came out of it was like, I didn't have anything to judge me. And so I didn't have any way to, to determine who or what I was like, you know, down here, I'm, I'm a supervisor. I'm a dad. I'm a member of AA. I'm a son down here. I'm all these things, but up there, I wasn't any of those things. And I was all those things. And, and what I realized is I had all these identities that I was attached to. And a lot of them I gave myself and a lot of them were given to me through other people's opinions. And so I took out a piece of paper and I wrote down every single label name that I had for myself, starting with Will, with William, you know, William, Will, Willie, Bill. I've been called all those things, Billy Bob. And then male, man, son, boss, you know, American, uh, human, you know, fat, ugly, smart, dumb, like, like anything I've ever called myself or been called criminal, drug addict, alcoholic, you know, inspiration, liar, like, like everything, everything that I've ever been called and I have identified with, I put on this paper and it filled up two sides of that paper. And I looked at it in reality that I had all these labels and it's no wonder I'm fucking confused. Like I'm all these things and I'm none of these things. Who am I? It's yeah. like, I, I, I just, not to bring up Instagram, but I did an Instagram post about that. Who am I? And then I did the points where like, that's the big trending thing. Everybody points. I'm a mom. I'm a this, I'm a, you know, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a lover. And, and, and nobody understood it. And there's one of my favorite gurus, David G. I talk about him a lot. David G. Uh, David J. I is how he spelled. Uh-huh. But when, when I'm my best self, I meditate with David G every morning, um, some sort of guided meditation, and he has a morning meditation. And the first question he asks is, who am I? Right. And he asks us to meditate on that for like 30 seconds. And usually I'm like, you're a bitch. You're a, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I totally true, tell right? myself names, you know? Um, but, like, but that, that is such a sacred question. Who am I? That's, yeah. that's a sacred question. Yeah. And, and we're all those things, right? I, I am a dick, but I'm also not a dick. Right. right. So, so where am I going to put my, my focus? And so I decided that I was going to take that paper and burn it and rub the ashes on my body and jump in this lake naked. And so that, that's what I did. 
And when I, when I came out of it, cause we're ceremonious people, right? Like, you know, that through your meditation and your symbols and, and that kind of stuff. Like we love tradition as, as a species, we have traditions, we have ceremonies, we, we celebrate things. So, so stuff means certain things to us. And so I, I did that. And when I came up, I, I decided there probably is no God. Like, I don't see the evidence for that, you know, through everything that I've read. And it rocketed me into a position where I could explore the things that I was always afraid of. Like I could look into Satanism, like what do these Satanists really believe? Who are they as people? And I was able to do that, you know, and talk with them and, and go to the Satanic temple and find out, you know, that they're all just most, mostly atheist Satanists. Like they use it as a symbol and they're just people trying to find their way. You know, what, what are the Buddhists, you know, what, what is atheism and, and all those things, because I was confused about it. And, and that carried me through the next almost five years of sobriety, pretty convinced that there was no God. But like I said, when I got sick again in sobriety and was every bit as desperate sober as I was using, mm -hmm. I realized that I couldn't cure myself. Nothing that had worked the previous 10 years worked. And I had to do a new surrender and be willing I'm willing to accept that possibly there probably maybe is a God based on the stuff that everybody in Alcoholics Anonymous is telling me. Mm. So why not try it? Cause I don't want to drink. I mean, yeah. And the, and the God thing is so important. And I kept saying, I'm going to let God down and everything, but like where I'm at right now and where some people are at right now is such the beginning where, so where do you start if you don't have that faith in God or if you lost that connection with God and you don't want to use and your disease is screaming so loud to use? But so God isn't, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, for me personally, I started back at square one. I recognize that I'm powerless over my insanity. Like, like everything's fine. I'm getting my hair done. I have this podcast. I'm doing well. I'm triggered and I'm fucking in a crack house with people dying less than 24 hours later. Right. Like, like, what is that? Okay. I'm, I'm powerless over that. And I make my life unmanageable. Do I really believe that I can be restored to sanity? Could, do I believe that this could go away? Right. And then in step three, am I willing to turn my will in my life over to the care of God as I understand him? Well, how do I understand God? I don't at all. But my sponsor had me write out. The first thing he had me write out was how do, how, how has God showed up in your life? Mm, and, powerful. And, and so for me, a lot of it is coincidence. And I just changed the word coincidence to a God shot. Like, like we decide whether or not to believe in God. It's a decision that we make. Right. And I have this huge reputation of being an atheist. I, I built a strong, profound reputation around, I don't need God. I'm, I'm doing this with the help of other alcoholics and myself. Right. And, and then to come back around is basically the way that you feel as a relapse. Like I'm embarrassed. I'm shy. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say that I'm willing to try the God thing because I found myself so sick. The only difference between what you did and what I did was you picked up, you picked up a drug and I picked up the solution. And so I'm here sober on step eight 
but you're there sober on step one. Struggling at step one at that. Struggling. Right? Because once you wake it up, like, let me tell you, there's a couple things that I learned in, that, that, in this relapse. Like, obviously, the relapse is the last thing to happen and everything. But, you know, when people say relapse is a part of recovery, I don't like that. I don't. Because, you know what? If you have a mind like me, that's telling me, relapse is a part of recovery so guess what okay uh, it's just a part of recovery you know you can just you can go out and use because that's about smoke with <laughs> the pipe it's a part of my recovery you know because relapse is a part of recovery my friggin ass it is my yeah, ass my, my sponsor actually says he's never relapsed dude he's got 20 years now but he's a retread in and out 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 and he says you know relapse isn't a part of my story because once i settled down and I did what was suggested, I've never had to pick up again. And I thought, fuck, you know, maybe there's some, because if we're not done, we're not done. And so uh, that's something that he uses, right? Yeah, and, and I, I, I like that. I also, um, people have said to me, well, that's okay, because Jen, you know what? You didn't lose all that knowledge that you had when you were sober. So, you know, it's fine. You know, it's not like you're taking away from all the time that you had sober. I disagree because you know what? It, it, it took my soul and I feel like I'm at square one. I feel like I'm somebody that has never had one day of sobriety in her life mm -hmm. where I'm at right now. And I, you know, I, I, I hate to admit it, but it's just kind of where I'm at and how I feel, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and what is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous say? Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Thoroughly. And so, and so there's probably something thoroughly missing from that path because if it works for me and I'm the same as you, what are you not willing to do that I am willing to do? Right. What, what is my sponsor willing to do that I'm not willing to do when, uh, when, when I was going out and relapsing. Right. And what I found is that, most of the time I'm finding excuses to not merge myself into sobriety. I don't trust God. I don't trust God with the plan that he may or may not have for my life. I need, I need God, if there be a God, to show me the plan that he has, submit it for approval, <laughs> right. makes, let me make some adjustments, and then send it back to him yep. and, and, and have it come to pass. But I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fuckhead. And that's one of the things that me and my sponsor talk about all the time is that I'm a fuckhead. He's, he's he, and he says the same thing about himself. It's like, we're fuckheads, man. We think about ourselves. And so if I give me what I think is best for me, this is as far as I'm ever going to get. Right. But if I can let go of what I think is best for me and just trust the process, then perhaps there's something better. And so the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are a great way to process through all the things that are holding me back from what's called the sunlight of the spirit. And that's where I'm at today is I want to, I got almost 10 years of sobriety and I don't know the sunlight of the spirit. The, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and recovery in general is so miraculous that we can get so well in 30, 60, 90 days that we think we're good. Right. Like 30 days of sobriety feels so fucking good that we think we got it. And then we go back out and then the disease is so powerful. It convince us that this doesn't work. 
when we were never really willing to do the work that's suggested in here anyway. You know, right. I, yeah, yeah. And I stopped doing the work. I, I did. I stopped doing the work. I'm not going to say that I wouldn't do the work because I did. And that's when I stayed sober, you know. Yeah, um, right. But the part about God and we thinking that we're God because we want it on our terms, not God's terms. Like, you're not giving it to me fast enough, you know. Um, I'm not... I'm not this yet and I'm not that yet. I was going to use specific examples, but I'm not just, you know, I haven't gotten what I think I should have at this point. So therefore, uh, this is my time. I don't want to wait on God's time anymore. So fuck you, God. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go hang myself. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go hang myself. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. we miss out. Uh, what is it? Uh, I'll show you, I'll hurt me. You yeah. know, I'll use at you. I'm yeah. going to go use at you. Oh yeah. We, yeah. I've used it a lot of people before I've done right? that. Mm. And so we got to, we got to clean the house. We, we got to, we got to get it cleaned out. You know, for me going back and redoing my resentment inventory after almost six years, I did, I did the steps all the way through twice the first five years of sobriety, like my first four years. And then it was almost six years before I did it again. And there was over 35 resentments on my resentment inventory this time. Um, you know, there was, uh, just as many fears that were bouncing around in my head. And I think fear is, is like the big thing for us. We run around in all this fear and we can't get out of it on our own. That's why we use all the time because we know that for a moment we'll be out of that fear. Um, unfortunately it's detrimental to our spiritual health, right? Like we end up killing ourselves and staying in fear anyway. Yeah. It's it's you know I I have a friend right now and she uh she got a little mad at me when she heard about what happened she because she's not an addict and she didn't understand and she just she didn't take it very well and she has another disease called cancer and she was like she Jen what the fuck is the matter with you you know you have a disease that all you have to do is show up hang out with people drink coffee and swear a lot and you'll be okay you know. No. I have cancer. That's what she's telling me. You know, why can't you just get sober and stay sober? Well, and, and so what I've seen, what you just said, that treatment plan will never work for us long term. All we got to do is show up, hang out with people, drink co coffee and swear a lot. Won't keep us sober. That's the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous is the 12 steps. They're two different things. Yeah. The 12 steps is the best way that I've ever found to connect me with me because it clears out all the bullshit that's blocking that the disease is piling on top of the real me. And what I found and what I want most in life is to end my life knowing me well. The insanity that we run through is there's, there's the insanity of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? We've all heard that. Yeah, but you know what the thing I always say to that? I heard a speaker say this once is the insanity. It's it's doing the same thing over and over again and knowing knowing we're going to get the same results. No. And doing it anyway, uh, right? That's the insanity that we have. Right. You know what the fuck's going to happen if you smoke crack? And now you know that it's going to happen fast. You know that you're going to end up some sketchy motherfucker's house with somebody dying in front of you. And, and next time you might be the motherfucker dying, dying in front of somebody. Right. And so then there's the insanity that, that I think a lot of human beings 
end up in, and that's living their entire lives without ever having a real relationship with themselves. You know, like having an honest relationship with themselves going, this is who I am. And I know that through this process of working, you know, I know that through the process that I've done through the 12 steps or whatever, you know, the, the 12 steps work for me to get to know me. And I'm, I'm, I'm a scared, uh, untrusting child at heart. Like I've been hurt too many times, too many different ways. And through the step work, I'm able to step outside of my fear and have faith in life in itself, put my best self out there and know that I'm not going to get hurt, that I'm, that I'm safe and protected. And, and it talks about all that stuff in the big book. It talks about feeling safe and protected. It talks about the fear of economic insecurity leaving us. It talks about how God doesn't make too hard of terms for those who seek him. It talks about him, you know, the, being able to be granted the willingness to do the hard things and walk through those things without, you know, fear of reproach or any of that stuff, because we're doing the work. And as we do step one to step two, you know, a lot of times people think and, and, and see in their mind when they hear the 12 steps, they think of a staircase, right? They think 12 steps up to something. And I think 12 steps away from something. So if this microphone's my last drink and I take one step that way, I'm a little bit further from my last drink. And I take another step, I'm even further from that drink. And another step, I'm even further. But the minute I start coming back, you know, because the way that we gain it is the same way that we lose it. Usually you get to step 12, working with others, you're going to meetings, you're doing all the stuff, you stop going to meetings, you stop talking to your sponsor, then you stop praying and meditating, and then you stop doing that personal inventory, and then you stop making amends to people, and then you take back your character defects, and then you go back into fear, resentment, and poor sex, and, and harming other people, and then you take your will back from God, and then you don't think that there's anything other to do because you're back in insanity. And all of a sudden you're not powerless over the drink again. And you're back and back at the drink and you're drinking. And then you got to take 12 fucking steps. Banging yourself up, banging on the bar, like they say in the big book, saying, how the hell did this happen? Right? Where had been my great resolve? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Mm. We take those 12 steps away from it then we're 12 steps away from our last drink. And it's hard to just reach and grab it. It takes some work to get back to where we were. And there's going to be signs and like, and you know, there's going to be signs, there's going to be roadblocks, there's going to be conditions, there's going to be miraculous things happen in between me and my next drink, right? At this point, we don't relapse on accident anymore. There's some thought that goes into it. And there's this pulling on our spirit that goes, oh, fuck, I should probably do something different. Ah, fuck it. Right. Yeah. I, ah, mean, I, I have I have a terminal case of the fuck it's that will kill me one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The most horrible of death. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And. So what happens when, because in the promises, they say sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, they will always materialize if we work for them, right? That's what they say. And right. The thing is, is we're addicts and we want what we want when we want it. So what if it's sometimes slowly and we don't find them materializing? Well, that's where the faith comes in, I guess, huh? 
Yeah, and, and we want we want the step nine promises when we're not even done with step one anyway. <laughs> that's, that's, oh yeah, that's yeah. our fucking problem. Don't don't you love when people are like two days sober and they're like, okay, so I went to my meeting and I have an amends to make, and they want to make all their yeah. amends when yeah. they're two days sober. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and then when it doesn't work out, it's like, yeah, you didn't thoroughly follow our path. Thoroughly follow our path. You know, get a sponsor. Get okay. somebody that knows the process. So here, here, here's where I'm going to get. Here's where I'm going to get real. AA is not immediate gratification enough for me. Reiki, energy healing, crystals, bowls, all that gives me immediate gratification. So if I'm not feeling the immediate gratification, I'm going to lose interest. And then I got to the point where I started getting going to. This is just what happened. I'm just getting, I'm just getting, what happened is I lost my faith in AA. I was like, fuck it. This is all taking too long. <laughs> sure. Sure. What else can I, and then I have all these people on my podcast that have alternatives to AA and they're talking about the alternatives to AA, other things that you can do to get sober. Um, is it, have you tried them? Uh, someone mentioned ketamine therapy. Uh, I wanted to dive into that before I got sober again, because I was like, well, I can't do this when I'm sober. So, but maybe this could be an answer. I wanted it to be the answer so bad, the ketamine therapy, because that would mean I would get to get high five times a day by or five times a week with, with a doctor, you know? So I did it. It was great. I sat there. They got me, uh, they, they, they shot me up with ketamine. I had a high, high end trip and, um, have been depressed ever since. No, it didn't open up any trauma. It didn't heal any trauma. It didn't do anything except get me high and more depressed. Right. But I listened to it because that suggestion, because that's the suggestion I wanted because I wanted the easier, softer way. Yes. I want to get high. So, right. So then, you know, we've had, we've had people talk about, you know, microdosing. We've had the California sober thing and everybody knows I've made it clear enough how against all that shit I am because I know that that's just a bunch of bullshit. That's that's because deep down inside Jen, she knows that using any mind altering, feeling changing, mood changing substance is detrimental and will lead her back to crack. At a deep level, she knows that's the ultimate truth. However, were it a split with ourselves that says, yeah, but... I like to get high. That's why we got high for so long. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for us anymore. And we still hold on to the romantic dream that one day we'll reconnect with our lover. We're like the boy whistling in the dark to keep his spirits up, knowing deep down that he would give anything for a drink or two to get away with it. And that luxury is gone for people like me who believe at the deepest level that I really am an alcoholic. I base that on the way that when I take one, I can no longer control my consumption of it. Right. And I cannot stop on my own power of will. I end up in jail or a hospital every time. Mm -hmm. And so it's been that way every time I've ever used. My dad used to say, uh, cause he, he was, a, he, he died 20 years sober. Um, but he, this is kind of gross and morbid, but it's the perfect thing to describe alcoholism and drug addiction to someone that doesn't understand it. He'd be like, 
So you want to control your using and in, in his, in his raspy ass hard voice, people wonder why I'm, I'm so hard and sweat. My father was just like, this is, this is how he would make analogies. You want to control your alcoholism? Yeah. Try and control diarrhea. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Eat a box of laxatives <laughs> and try to control. And try to control that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it's like for me because it creates an obsession inside of my mind. It feels so good and relieving that it creates an obsession that I'm willing to harm everybody in my path to continue that. And then I'm completely afraid of what my life will be like without it. Right. And so there has to be some type of intervention. I start breaking the law. I start harming people. I start becoming violent. I disconnect. Um, and that's not who I want to be. Right. You know, um, for me today, uh, I, I hold on to um, something that I heard recently. And, you know, I talked a little bit about that grace thing. And like, what if what if I'm sober by grace, by God's grace? And that's a hard thing for me to say coming out of my atheism. But somebody told me I have I have three kids that have never seen me drunk. Mm. I didn't start a family until after I got sober. How? I don't know. It's not like I was this gleaming example of safe sex and monotony. <laughs> so um, how I didn't have any children before that, I don't know. But um, when I when when we had our first son, Isaac, uh, Avery, my wife, and Isaac, neither one of them knew how to breastfeed. She'd never been a mom and he had never been born. So it was new to both of them. And this guy said, God's grace is like a, a mother breastfeeding her child. She does it because that's what she does. And so if I can grab a hold and go, okay, like I don't owe nothing. I'm sober by God's grace because God got me sober because that's what God does that kind of like, okay, I have this program and I have these people in my life because that's what God does. Like if I can grab that and internalize that and not feel like I'm going to get a bill in the mail later, that's a huge problem for me. Yeah. Like like if I think that I'm going to have to pay for my sobriety at some point in the life that I have, I know I'm going to fail at it because this is so great that there's nothing I could ever do to pay for this. Right. But they keep telling me it's free and all I have to do is give it away. I can have as much of it as I want. And I heard this guy saying, you know, how much God do you want? You can go to the ocean with a thimble and you can get a thimble full of water or you can go to the ocean with a dump truck. It will never run out ever. It's up to you. How much recovery do you want? Do you want a thimble of it or do you want a dump truck of it? That's really beautiful. I'm, by the way, sobbing over here. Yeah, he's just, crying. I'm about ready to cry because it's, it's what the fuck is wrong with us? What is wrong with me? I have this beautiful life. I love myself to a point where I want this. Why don't I believe in myself to the point where this could work? And that's what's so great for me. What I found in, in the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is with each one that I worked with a sponsor, I was given the power to do the next one. And I was given the gift of the one I just did. The freedom came a little bit at a time. So, yeah, stay in the middle of the herd. You know, I'm always, always the one that has, you know, talking and the answers and the comebacks and everything. But you know what? This today, this podcast, I don't feel like talking. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't. No, I know. I got to keep my, yeah, yeah. I need to listen. Yeah, we all do. 
So what I'm hearing is that in a nutshell, put the plug on the jug, take your dogs outside. Cause could you, could you hear my dogs barking throughout the whole thing? Yeah, that was the first time. Um, I guess that, um, I mean, I'm just sitting here reflecting and it, it just seems so easy to just, why don't you just like stop using and just go to a meeting, you know, right. everything will be fine. You know, um, it's not that easy. Not day one, but it's possible. And I am sober right now. Everyone needs to know that, that I am sober right now. Do I feel like I have um, a bunch of, you know, enlightenment? No. That's why I invited Will here to enlighten me. Am I, am I going, <laughs> am I going to meetings like, you know, raising my hand, sitting in the front and sharing my experience, strength and hope and quoting the book, big book? No, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just kind of sitting in the back and just listening and this is my big reveal because I haven't even told everybody about the fact yeah. that I went back out and used. And that's another thing, the word relapse. When I had mono, when I was in fifth grade and then I got better and then I got mono again, that was a relapse. This is a decision to go back out and use again. That's what this is. Yeah. I, I don't believe in the word relapse. I, I It's just such a used word that it's like embedded in my brain to use it, but I hate that word. I don't know about you. Uh, when we use, we make a decision to go out and use. A relapse was when um, the, uh, it's not your liver. What's mono again? It's your spleen. My spleen relapsed. That was, wow. that was, had nothing to do with it. I mean, that was beyond my control. But I'm sorry. I don't believe that this was beyond my control. No. Now, can you look back and kind of see? some some god shots where like from from the time you you decided to use the day the day that you decided when you were getting your hair done can you see some anything, um anything that that was trying to stay in your way yeah like, i was i was i was in my way i was so um obsessed with self i was just so obsessed with self me 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 you know i always want to help people but um that particular period, I was, I wasn't thinking outside of myself. No. Is that an honest answer? Sure, sure. I mean, relieve me from the bondage of self, right? That's step three. That's third step prayer. Yeah, that I might better do Thy will, which that all boils back around to helping other people. That seems right. to be the entire strength of that will but it's hard for us it's and, hard for yeah i mean and it, it is easy for me to sit here on a microphone and talk about recovery and to be all jennifer wild you know what i mean it, it that's that's the easy part and say that you're helping people but you know as far as helping people i think that sure i know i get emails all the time and you have a podcast i'm sure you do thank you so much for helping me man thanks for helping me man thanks for well maybe that really does help them but yes and it does, mm -hmm. but in order to receive the benefits of helping others, it can't be 
with a microphone and lights and headphones. It has to be going to a meeting, shaking someone's hand and saying, you know what, man, I'm, I'm there with you. I understand, you know, I, I, and, and really just having that, that human interaction one-on-one, that's how you help somebody or be, or being there, picking up the phone when they're in crisis. I think that's where the chicken soup of for, for the soul comes in as far as helping others, because sitting here doing this podcast, somebody might get helped in the process, but I don't really believe that that's what helping others is all about. Yeah, I think, I think, and it says in our literature, you know, nothing assures uh, immunity from drinking like one-on-one intense one-on-one one work with another alcoholic or something to that effect. I don't, I don't say that one all the time, but that's the truth. One-on-one work with another alcoholic. Yes. And, 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 and just sharing experiences together and the understanding that we have together as you know, alcoholics and everything, because my misconception was that I can do this for my 12 step work. And that's bullshit. You can't, this isn't 12 step work. (laughs) This isn't 12 step work. So, yeah, Um, message, you know, and the 12 step is, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Right. Um, And and the cool thing is, is that we have a little bit of a spiritual awakening and psychic change with each one of those steps. And it equals out to a giant change of lifestyle, mindset and perception in step 12, as we watch the people we work with come through and have the lights turn on and Mm -hmm. gain their respect back and, and all those things. It's just such a beautiful thing. And it, and it helps us stay out of self. You know, when we pray, when we pray to stay out of self, that's a great demonstration of willingness to step away from the thing that causes me the most damage, which is me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I am I'm not gonna let this beat me down. I'm not, and I, as much as you know, when you wake that up, it's hard to shut that bitch up. Once yeah. that disease shows its ugly head in full force, and you're using, yeah, man, I I can't I can't shut that bitch up. You know, yeah. just wants to keep talking to me, saying Jen, Jen, come on, Jen, Jen, listen. You know, you could do the Delta, the Delta Eight. That's not real marijuana. That's Delta Eight. <laughs> That's yeah. like CBD. It's like nothing. Yeah. And I have to right now just go to meetings, listen, and get a sponsor. Do your steps. Yeah, I have a spot. You know, I've always had a sponsor. Maybe use find a sponsor. new sponsor. Maybe find use, a new use your sponsor. Yeah. Use your sponsor. Um, and I I've, thought, I've, had, I've, I've had plenty of sponsors that I'm just so that I could say I have a sponsor. Like, I got a sponsor, it's fine. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, right, yeah, I I have a sponsor. She's in my, she's, what do you mean I don't have a sponsor? I have a sponsor, her number's right in my phone. Yeah. Okay, well, when was the last time you dialed that number, right? Uh, Last time she made me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, inside a addict's head. It's yeah. not a place. It's not a pretty place. It's not. Uh, that's why I, why I try to make my outside so pretty. And I spend so much money on plastic surgery and getting my hair done and nails and everything because I have, you know, more control over making that pretty because yeah, God knows the head ain't pretty. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't buy mental health. I, sorry, therapists. You really can't. Yeah. 
you can't buy spiritual wellness. It's Mm-mm. something that's worked for, Mm-mm. unfortunately. So, all right. Somebody that is going through what I'm going through, thinking of relapse, about to relapse, just relapsed and can't get out of it. No, see, only if you see me on YouTube, you'll have this one. Um, the number one thing that you would recommend, just go to a meeting. And announce it. Yeah. Talk about it. Go to a meeting and talk about it. So do you believe in the chips? I hate the chip system. We have it here. And I think that it keeps people sick. I think that it keeps people away from meetings. Um, I think that if I had to really pick up a white chip, my first, my first day back into AA after the relapse, if my sponsor told me that I had to pick up that white chip, I wouldn't have gone to the meeting because I wasn't ready to pick up the white chip, but I had to go hear the message. So Uh I went to the meeting. I sat in the back. I listened to the message. I didn't pick up the white chip. Not right away. I have now since and announced to my group um, what happened. And I'm filled with wonderful support, obviously. But at the time, you know, uh, marking days, all that shit. Like, oh, well, I can't go through it again. (laughs) 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 Counting days. No, I don't want to count days. I want to count today. I want to count that I'm sober today. I don't want to count days anymore. I, I don't. I, it fucks me up. And I think that, it, it that you know, like, I talked to someone else about this once before. Okay, so the first thing they ask you in A is how much time you have, you know? Um, and then you're, like, judged on that amount of time. Like, whether or not I'm somebody that has anything worthwhile to say. Listen, sure. I have one day sober, maybe. And that person might have a lot of inspiration and inspiring things to say. And sometimes where I grew up in Cleveland, they wouldn't even let you share unless you had a year. Uh-huh. Yeah, isn't that great how everything's so different but the same? Yeah. I love it. Like, I, and as far as the chips go, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed getting my 30-day chip this, this stint. I remember my first year. And how proud I was of myself with every chip, you know. Um, but I, I could also see where where you're coming from and and yeah. introducing yourself as a newcomer. It's it's hard to be humble when you're the best, you know. And that's right. That's why I'm having such a hard time with it. Well, uh, but, you know, I have so many white chips that this room that I'm in right now, we could tile the floor with them. You should. You're a miracle if you've made it back that many times. Baby, come on, get the cement. We're going to do a little home uh, <laughs> a, a home project today. Yeah. We're going to tile the floor with all my white chips. That's hilarious. There's there's somebody else out there that needs to hear that Jen Wild struggles that hard and keeps trying and keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back. I'm a stubborn bitch, baby. I'll keep coming back and I'll keep trying because I'm stubborn as fuck. Yeah. Well, deep, deep down inside, I think that there's a desire for life within you and you're just trying to navigate what that is. And I think if, if you be like me, you know, that there's some type of answer in the rooms of recovery, even, even if we don't get it all the way, compassion is really the way to, to Mm. this message. You know, we've got to be compassionate with ourselves and compassionate with others. Because if, if we scream at the alcoholic, like if, if I talk to you the way that you talk to you, this conversation would not happen. Right. And so if we can get you to talk to you the way that I talk to you, which is kind of the goal, right. That, that place of compassion and understanding and solution-based conversation, then that's where the change starts happening. When, 
we share our, our struggles and they're well received, right? Because the trauma that we suffered at such a young age with trying to be open and honest and the backlash that came from the people that we trusted put us in a deep space of, of safety. Like we, we hid that vulnerability deep, yeah. fucking deep. And we'll be goddamned if anybody's going to hurt us again, right? And so we come in here around the people that suffer like us. And we support each other through compassion, through solutions. And we say, you know, you can try this. This is what worked for me. You know, understanding that my disease lies between my head, coming to believe that it is a disease based on, you know, the description of, 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 of a mental disease and, and that the solution is spiritual based. Maybe it really is. Yeah. Maybe it really is. My, one of my favorite um, people, <laughs> Bethany, she's been on the show. She's going to be on again next, next week, but disease it's disease but it's because we're at if you don't want to call it a disease because you don't believe it's a disease do you listening to this podcast do you think that i am not at dis-ease right I now think, yeah i think so i'm 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 that's all disease is you're at in at disease dis-ease yeah. you know so um it's a bitch i'm really proud of you this is huge like this it's really is hard yeah yeah, but you obviously want it. I like the podcast better where I have like fun musicians playing guitar and we get to sing and dance and have fun and celebrate recovery. So, um, but th this had to be said. Right. And let me get it. There's my guitar. Go, bring, bring it. Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but this had to be done. This podcast had to be done. It did. And I, I want to have, I want to have you back on when we could talk a little bit. I'm not all over the place in ADD and we could talk more about you and your story because you're a freaking, you know, rock star. And you're one of the reasons you were there for me right at the beginning when I yeah, first had so questions much. about podcasting and everything. And, um, Talk about your podcast. Talk about your show. If you, yeah, I mean, Will's show is great for everybody. You know, you don't only have to be an addict. Sort of like my show. You know, but tell us, tell us about so, the other side of hell and uh, where we can find you. So the other side of hell podcast. It's me and Cameron. Uh, Cameron's great. He's my he's my co-host. He's also the director producer. Um, Jordan, if you if you're on Instagram, Jordan just got married yesterday. He's our audio guy. He should have come yeah. to talk to me. I would have talked him out of it. I, mean, just kidding. Yeah. I don't know. It was pretty, it was pretty neat. They got married in an old Catholic church. It was wild. I saw the pictures. Uh, it looked beautiful. I felt, yeah. I felt like I was back in like 500,000 years ago or whatever, but it was cool. Um, but you know, uh, Cameron, Cameron's fun because you know, that voice that you have in your head, I'll call Cameron in the morning and, and, and I'll do uh, messages from the attic sometimes and, and I'll call him up and I'll be like, Cameron, <laughs> what's up, buddy? And I'll be like, you haven't called me in a week. Let's go get lunch. You know, and I'll just, I'll just throw out whatever it is that Aziz is trying to tell me that day. You know, you're not good enough. Nobody loves you. Everybody's better than you. And and he saves those on his, on his voicemail. <laughs> reminds him that, you know, we have that voice in our head and, and, and it's hard to, distinguish you know to, to figure out which one we need to listen to you know which one's the good idea which one's the bad idea which so, which tiger or which dog or whatever yeah. you want to say are you going to feed right yeah because yeah. we love them both right like mm -hmm. can't have two pets and and not have a little bit of concern for both of them it's just one continuously tries to fucking kill me unfortunately <laughs> i love that dog but it tries to kill me so why don't you <laughs> kill it i don't know i love it 
So why don't you just not feed that one and yeah. feed the one that I loves feel bad you? For it. I yeah. feel bad for it. You know, it deserves something. But our podcast is it is basically a recovery-based podcast. Um, but it's not just recovery from drugs and alcohol. We talk about food addiction. Um, we talk about eating disorders. We talk about sexual and violent trauma. Um, we have a guest on every episode. Jen was a guest on our show. She told her story. Uh, so we have a guest that tells their story of victory on every episode um, where they can come in and tell us what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. We usually gain a topic off of that story and how it relates to us today. The journey's been amazing. You know, you can watch from episode one where I was staunch, staunch atheist. We did a Q&A about how I became that way. Uh, watch the progression of losing. A, we, we had a third host at one time and, and he fell off. We don't know where he's at. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, a lot of different guests on the show with us talking about stuff and, and we drop an episode every Friday. Um, we go in and record. Everything's really professionally done. So, um, oh, they don't, can, they don't mess around these guys and tell you something oh, they thanks. have, they have the best set. I'm so jealous of your set. <laughs> they have the best everything. That's why when I saw your podcast, I'm like, I'm calling him when I want to start my <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, we drop it every Friday. Um, we try to get as many people as we can. We try to touch as many people as we can and really just try to try to break down that barrier of us thinking that we're different, you know, because, I know that uh, a lot of times I'll try to think that whatever I have going on is different from somebody else. And, and the more that I can can get a message out there that everybody can relate to or or I can say something that you understand and they understand, even if it's not the same thing, you know, we're proving that we really are connected. And I think that connectivity is so important right now, whether you're in sobriety or not, you know, mm -hmm. so yeah, you can find us on uh YouTube at the other side of hell podcast. You can find us on Spotify, all the listening platforms, our main, um, social media is the other side of hell recovery podcast. We recently put recovery in there hoping we'll get more traction in the recovery community. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to get it out there. So we just dropped episode 91. We've been doing this for like almost two years and I've grown a ton from it. It's been great to get to meet you. Like you're in Florida, I'm in Utah. Yeah. And we're here just, just chopping it up and trying to find that solution for the problem that we have, which is us. Get the fuck out of me. Too much me. Not enough you. Yeah. And not enough we. Not me, nearly enough we. I'm not, yeah, because I, I like to isolate. I do. I just like to isolate into my little world and make sure everything looks good on the outside, but dying in the inside and isolating, you know, yeah. and, and, and right there in a nutshell is exactly what happened. Yep. So I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Thank you for coming out and being vulnerable and trying to heal. Listen, I, I want to be a rock star to everything. I want to be the rock star at sobriety. I want to be, sure. uh, I'm, I'm a, recovering perfectionist and obviously relapsed in that. And this was not an easy episode. And I don't want to, I, I want to like end it early. Usually they go longer, but I'm going to end it early because of the fact that how much more can I talk about this? Right. I'm going right. to, I'm going to, I'm going to end it early and go to a meeting. Sure. Good. There's you a, early, I mean, I'm you think I'm kidding, but, but I, I need, I need to like, um, you need to be in the middle of the herd right now. Yeah. You'd be around as many people that are sober as possible. Stay away from as many people that are using as possible. Protect yourself. 
you know, I don't this hang is out. the least People. favorite podcast I've ever done. Will. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I love you very much, but I just didn't enjoy this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I just want to say everybody look at how well Jen's doing right now. Like everybody look and it's an honor to be here. Okay. Well, I love you. I want to have you back and I want you to tell your story and just have the focus all on you. Okay. Sure. And, um, I would love it. Yeah. We're, I love th- it. This was sort of like, um, a heavy episode. Yeah. This, this is the, the heavy episode where the big reveal, but it's not like, um, those, what are those like when you lose weight TV shows and then they have the great reveal and they all look awesome. Move that bus. Yeah. 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 Move that bus. That's it. That, move that bus. This is the great reveal. Hey, can you cover me up with that bus? Because I don't want to see anybody. Yeah. Um, but it had to be done. And like I said earlier, there's no one else I would have rather had on here to talk about the fact that, you know, I'm human. Um, I wasn't doing everything I needed to do. And there's a little bump in the road. Yeah, but. fuck this shit, Jen. Let's get sober. Fuck this. Fuck all that, man. Let's get Thank sober. You. That That's going to be my new t-shirt. Fuck this shit, Jen. Let's get sober. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Do it. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you, Will. Thank You're you welcome. so much. And this Virtual has been hugs. the very special episode of Sober Exposure, the relapse edition. <laughs> Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast. <laughs>